Hello there, my name is Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister. Before we get to the main cast, we would just like to take a moment to express our condolences to the families of those murdered during the events that took place in Lebanon, Nashville recently. This is Brainwaves episode 71, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of 19th of April 2021. Game Manufacturers Association has a bad year. Metacritic for board games? And the American Tabletop Awards are announced. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. First up, we've got Jamie with some reports from the Game Manufacturers Association. Gamma, the Game Manufacturers Association of America, is the producer of the Gamma Trade Show and the Origins Game Fair. Now, the Gamma Trade Show took place in mid-March last year with a significant number of cancellations, whereas the Origins Fair was outright cancelled. This led to the show revenues dropping from $2.48 million to only $810,000 in 2020. Now, over the course of the year, Gamma lost $182,000, which comes on top of a loss of $99,000 in 2019, due in part to higher show costs and a substantial increase in salaries and benefits over 2018. Now, Gamma does have a buffer of money that it is using to cushion this blow after showing profits from 2012 to 2018. Gamma obviously relies heavily on the shows for revenue, with income from the shows over 10 times its membership revenues. Now, 2020 was hard for... Well, down here it says all the shows. It was hard for everybody. But yes, specifically here, it was quite hard for gaming conventions and shows. But to be showing a loss from 2019 as well... It's, it's a tiny bit worrying, i got to say. Ian, what do you think about this? Does Gamma... I don't know, does Gamma... Does Gamma maybe need to think of a, a restructure or somewhat? It, it's hard to tell. Gamma has had some structural issues over the last few years, and we've reported on bits and pieces of people coming and going and some controversies inside the actual structure of Gamma itself. It, it's hard to tell what Gamma looks like in the future. I think as as the gaming structure at once becomes more homogenized, where we see things like Asmodee buying up lots of companies and becoming single entities, and also lots and lots of independents uh, uh, embracing things like print-on-demand and smaller publications and that kind of thing. I think Gamma needs to become a little bit more flexible about who it includes and, and how it goes about its business. It needs to adapt to the changing landscape. Whether it does that or not, and whether it survives, who knows? I mean, I'm sure something would step in to take its place if if it eventually folded. But yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to tell. There's a, there's a lot of change going on in the board gaming world just now, I think. I don't doubt for a second that Gamma is going to stay in some form or another. As you said, I think it's just going to change. It's going to become, yeah. you know, just, as you said, a bit more malleable. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I know, I, I feel like I should be offering some sort of ribald riposte on this, but, um, God, I sound so middle class when I say that. I feel bad. Uh, but no, I, I agree. I think. I mean, we're pretty middle class. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you don't need to shout from the rooftops about it. Fair. As you said, it's been a bad year for a lot of people <laughs> almost the entire planet funnily enough um and everything is in a state of flux right now and we're looking at how we structure our society and that includes things like conventions so it's inevitable that these things will change fun enough it only took a major global pandemic in order for something to change hopefully hopefully those changes will be for the better hope so now ian i believe you have some interesting news from uh, from board game atlas 
Yes, indeed. So popular site Board Game Atlas, which launched in 2019, tracks uh, board game prices. It hosts forums and discussions about the tabletop hobby and has long been trying to take a piece of the Board Game Geek pie, which is the sort of big board game review and aggregate site on the net. Board Game Atlas's next step is to launch a review aggregate section of the site, much like the popular site Metacritic does for computer games. Now, if you're not familiar with the concept, it basically means that the site will gather reviews from across the spectrum of reviewers and critics, video, writing, all that kind of thing, and then assign them a value if none is already, and then give an overall rating. This overall rating will be out of 100 and will be visually represented by something out of 5 stars. Board Game Atlas has hand-selected some critics, though they have not said who as yet, and individual critics can also apply to have their reviews included. There are a variety of criteria for being accepted to the site, including a follower count of 4,000 for written reviews across all social media platforms, and a lower count of 2,000 subscribers for audio and video reviews. Board Game Atlas do say they will consider all applicants carefully and may waive some of the requirements for reviewers if it feels they are bringing value to the discussion about board games. Do you think you should apply, Ian? Now, yeah, well, there will be games that I share some of our work. They've reached out to all their reviewers and said that this might be a good opportunity to be noticed and to get a little bit more advertising. I can totally see that side of it. The other side of that coin is that Metacritic has come under some fire over the last decade for being used, especially by computer game publishers, to assign bonuses to their staff. Basically, staff would only get bonuses if the Metacritic score was above a certain percentage. I believe that was most notably uh, Obsidian with Fallout New Vegas. Indeed. So that's obviously horrendous behaviour, like really horrible behaviour. If, if staff have done their job well, then they should get paid what they're owed bonuses whatever there's a danger i think also in star ratings like i don't assign star ratings to the reviews i do on the site i believe the words should be read and there's a lot of nuance in in words as well like we jamie and i were just talking about this before we came on the cast and he made a very good point about shop and sit down's review of ex libris ex libris designed by adam p mciver published by renegade games yeah, so we were talking about that particular game and Paul Dean's review of that. He basically liked the game, but they said it was quite expensive for what it is at the time. That's quite nuanced. Just just that little bit of it. Like, we really, really like this game. However, it's extremely expensive for the type of game that it is. How do you star rate that? That's a really difficult question to answer. And I have a slight worry with this uh, with board game atlas taking reviews and assigning them a star rating not in consultation with the reviewer just through i don't know if they're going to do it through some algorithm or people are going to look at it or read it or whatever but yeah i I have a concern with star ratings is that people tend to look at the star rating and then just move on now admittedly i do assign a star rating when i put stuff up on there will be games because that's how they work and i can understand why it happens the other side of star ratings is that it's an accepted format and it helps with algorithms and that kind of thing for searching for stuff as well. It's a really tricky it's a really tricky question. I I, ha- I have a concern. I'm going to sort of sit back and see what happens with it. Maybe I'll apply for it eventually. I mean, technically I'm too small. I do find it interesting that the written review requirement is higher than the audio video requirement because it tends to be the case that audio video stuff gets more subscribers and followers in general than written than written content 
I'm going to stay cautious on this. I'd like to see who the reviewers are that they've handpicked. Once all the applications have been worked through and there's been selections made, I'd like to see who these people are, what parts of the world they're coming from. If this is trying to be a, if you want to use the phrase Metacritic for board games, we want to have more of a, an overall demographic. It can't all be white people from the West. That's a big problem in board yeah. games anyway. But if we're going to try and centralize it into this one place, you're going to make that monolith even more monolithic. And that's that's not good. Yeah, it'd be good to see a diverse range of voices represented by this site. And maybe that will be the case and maybe it'll be great. But yeah, there's always that slight concern with an aggregate site like this. Anyway, Jamie, awards season rolls on even if the conventions do not. Yes, it is time to dust off the Homburg of Awards. The American Tabletop Awards were founded in 2019 by a number of tabletop media professionals in the United States, funnily enough. Members of the committee include such well-known media folk as Brittany Bow, better known to the social media bods as Bebo, Ruel Gaviola, Suzanne Sheldon, Eric Yerko, and Theo Strempel, among others. Now, the awards have four categories, early gamers, casual games, strategy games, and complex games. Now, this year's winners, in, this, in that order, are Abandon All Artichokes, The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, Calico, and Dominations. Well done to all those winners. I think it's a little interesting thing to note that The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, has won the Casual Games Award here, and I believe it won the Kennerspiel de Yaris last year for the more complex game that's a very good point you did indeed now yeah. these american tabletop awards said they've only been going a couple of years they're an attempt to bring something akin to the spiel de Jahres to the american tabletop scene now some might think are they going to succeed in that my initial thought that i will put out there is it's only been going for two years give it some chance for goodness sake when the spiel de Jahres started i don't think people went oh here we go this is gonna be big immediately they probably went what and then it took several years. On the other hand of that, the Gamma Awards already exist. Are they not Are they not the American equivalent of the Spiel des Jahres? If you have any thoughts on this, feel free to drop us a message on an email or on Ian's Twitter, because Ian is the giant brain. Or if you're on a Discord, have a wee chat with us about this, because we're always open to an interesting dialogue and we want to, you know, expand the voices of instead of just two middle-class white Scottish guys. Indeed. And now on to, well, the rest of the news. So we've got a couple of updates for you at the top of the news and we talked about it sort of tangentially in the last cast, the Suez Canal incident where a boat called the Evergreen blocked the Suez Canal for a few days, about a week or so. And well, the saga is not over yet as the Evergreen that was blocking the canal has now been impounded by Egyptian authorities as they demand a whopping $900 million in compensation from the owners ever given. Now, we don't usually cover this kind of thing because it's world events, but this kind of thing does actually affect board gaming because most of your board games get to you by boat, and it's impossible that some of your Kickstarter games or just general supply of games are on that boat. So yeah, do be kind to any Kickstarters that are affected or any board game shops or you're ordering stuff and they have been delayed by these events. 
Back in episode 62, we covered the Zenobia Awards. These awards were designed by the wargaming community to encourage more diverse voices to design wargames, something that has been sadly lacking in this much-loved genre. We are mostly talking about board and counter wargames here, not miniature wargames like you would get with Games Workshop and other companies like that. The committee received 145 applications and have selected 46 games to advance to the next round. These games cover a huge range of eras from pre-1500 up to the present day and have many diverse themes and settings to show off. I took a wee scan over the very interesting matrix of applications on the site and picked out a few interesting ones. There's women's suffrage in the early 20th century, gender-defying queers in the early 18th century, and Indonesia's struggle for independence are just some of the ideas on show. We encourage you to go and have a look as some of the ideas sound absolutely wonderful and uh, good luck to all those involved and hopefully you get through to the next round. Yes, the matrix, as Ian said, that has been used to kind of highlight the, the games that have been selected, the ideas, are fantastic. It's it's not just like a timeline, like this is pre 100 this is Regency era, this is what we, you know, would call something like the Enlightenment era. Bleh. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, the games are also color-coded. Is it a game about science of the day? Is it cultural? Is it environmental? It's all historical in some way, but it's what does it primarily focus on and that's that's really clever also ian i'm gonna make a little point i know i know i wrote this this bit for you but i realized that i wrote pre-1500 up to the present day that covers all time yeah that's fair okay but i i think i wrote that <laughs> oh did you write that bit i mean basically so the the grid is like it's got a bunch of columns with like then pre-1500 and then the next sort of section that they have and then other sections and then sort of geographical sections down the y-axis and then as jamie says within that there's color-coded bits and pieces for whether it's cultural or direct conflict and that kind of thing so yeah it's it's a really interesting set of awards with some really fascinating ideas in there the earliest game that's uh suggested like timelines timeline wise is almagest or almagest which is astronomers in alexandria which is the years 150 ce wow that's a long time ago. Yes, it was. And having read it, I'm really intrigued now. As astronomers in Alexandria conduct research in the largest library of the time, gain students who will help with your work, observe stars, and document constellations to produce the most influential works to help guide civilization. I'm going to say right now, stars and space, that's a, that's a good sell for me. Anyway, Jamie, on to more modern uh, ideas. You've got your, you got your Homburg of Awards on. Let's get your financial pants on as well i got to take off my award homburg now because the awards are over. Well, for now, I'll put it back on its stand. Struggling to my financial pants and talk about Stonemeyer Games. Stonemeyer Games, producer of, oh, so many games that people talk in, in glowing terms about. Things like Scythe, Viticulture, Euphoria, and the most recent great game, Wingspan by Elizabeth Hargrave. Stonemeyer Games has just released its sales for 2020, and it has had, spoiler alert, a rather good one. Sales are up 40% to $17.9 million from $12.8 million. Sales came across their range of products, including new game Pendulum, but the real star of the show, I think, I think you might be able to guess what it was, says, do I hear the sound of wing beats? Oh yes, it is Wingspan, a massive 447,150 copies sold last year. And that's compared to the number two title, Scythe, which I which sold, I say only, 
it only sold 73,984 copies, which is still not messing about copies. Now, the company, no. The company has been improving distributor and retailer relationships, developing some direct sales with some retailers. Now, this is in response to the Stonemaier products often being out of stock at many distributors. One, uh, and, uh, oh yeah, one last piece of financial news from Stonemaier Games. They've given over $80,000 in donations to charities. Coronavirus Direct Support, BIPOC Support and the Australian Wildfire Funds. Do you remember at the beginning of 2020 when Australia was on fire? We were like, God, how could the year get worse? No, I don't remember. The last year's just been a blur of madness. No idea what you're talking about. Do not talk about the event. Everything is fine. Hi, good evening and stay indoors. Except don't, because the weather's really lovely. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> Ian. More news from Wizards of the Coast. Indeed. So Wizards of the Coast instigated a in-store play ban during the coronavirus to encourage people to not go to game stores, obviously, because we don't want to be meeting up in public during the global pandemic and to play online instead. Well, in a sign of the world returning to a little bit of normality, Wizards of the Coast has lifted that in-store play suspension for Japan. The ban currently remains in place for North America, Latin America and Europe. That advice will be updated on the 12th of May, but until then, Wizards of the Coast recommends that Wizards Premium Network members continue to host events online. So that's stores will host events online which you can attend and you can get give some money to your friendly local game store of choice. Hopefully, Jamie and I will return to the table in not too distant future. It's looking like May, June time. We might actually be able to sit around a table together and chuck some dice. Things at are looking other. relatively good. Rel- yeah, at each other from across. Yeah, socially distanced dice chucking. But yeah, it is actually looking pretty good in Scotland numbers-wise and actually across the UK in general. So hopefully, May, June time, Jamie, I, and our beloved left co-host Ian will actually be able to meet up in Glasgow and play some games together. That would be good. We hope. <laughs> we hope. Positivity. Positivity, Ian. Come on, positivity. We've got to keep keep it light. This new show, it's it's the news. It's not necessarily the nicest thing. So keep it light. Keep it light. Uh, I, I do my best. I do my best. But sometimes we just have to cover the hard stuff as well. But anyway, uh, there a little thing I came across is the Free Play Independent Games Festival, which is seeking speakers with their theme being small voices, loud roars. Although it seems to be primarily focused on computer games it also gives awards out for non-digital games and is open to all sorts of speakers so if you've got a bit of spare time in your hands if you fancy lending your voice to this little independent games festival we'll provide a little link in the show notes and you can go and check that out i might even submit something myself Mm -hmm. very nice very nice Talking of last year and 2020, we'd like to thank everyone who's continued to support the cast through 2020 and into 2021. All our patrons, thank you very, very much. Especially our executive producer, Sean Newman, from the Gamelot team. We'll put links to all their stuff in the show notes. And you can find multiple ways to support us on the site as well. And especially through our one of our co-sponsors, Metallic Dice Games. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if you go to their site, you can order some very nice metal dice for yourself with the promo code roll with brains which will give you 10 percent off and give us a little bit of cut as well anyway let's get out of here and jamie you have got a lot of monopoly news you wait for you wait for one monopoly news and three come along at once oh i have a bumper crop and 
you know, I thought something special for Ian leaving last time, you know, the the ecological green monopoly, which was great. And I thought maybe we're seeing, you know, a change in Hasbro. And let's just mention that Mr. Chandler has been featured in a Dicebreaker article on sustainability and board games as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was that was a nice sight to see. Famous uh, in his own lunchtime. I thought maybe Hasbro's turning a corner and we might see more thoughtful versions of Monopoly. And then I opened up my laptop and I saw SpongeBob SquarePants meme version Monopoly. We are through the looking glass now. Truly, this has reached, I was going to say it's reached ascendant meme status. I don't even think it has. It's taken from the people and it's become part of the corporate machine. Coming from the op or the OP, otherwise known as USAopoly, this is a Monopoly edition focused on memes from SpongeBob SquarePants. Properties are all memes, such as Handsome Squidward, Patrick shouting into a phone, or Caveman Spongebob, from the cartoon which ran for 13 seasons and first aired in 1999. I didn't realise it was that old. Some of the tokens you'll be able to use are a Krabby Patty, a Jellyfish, or Mermaid Man's Belt. Uh, houses and hotels have been replaced by posts and collections, with players paying each other likes instead of rent, and comment and share cards take the place of community chest and chance cards if you want that it's now available it might only be available in america though you still might be able to get it imported though with the b word you might have to be a little bit extra i'm not angry i'm just very disappointed <laughs> ian don't worry there's more news if you're sad that there's only the news is finished there's more monopoly news now i haven't played the video game roblox but the children I work with are just gaga over it. it. Sounds fantastic. Now, Hasbro has announced it will be teaming up with the Roblox Core for Roblox-themed Nerf Blasters and, of course, why would I be mentioning it here, a Monopoly board. Players will be buying and trading games and promotions such as Royale High and Welcome to Bloxburg with characters and tokens such as Dominus and Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot, the Amazon Prime series about the hacker. I have a feeling probably not, Ian. Now, for Roblox fans, the game will also ship with a code to redeem an item in-game. This is similar to what happened when uh, there was a Sea of Thieves version of Monopoly, and it was shipped with a... I think you get a golden monkey. Did the Fortnite one ship with something as well, I think? I think it probably did. This is is nothing new, but it's always interesting. Uh, Now, Monopoly Roblox is on Hasbro Pulse. It's now available on it, which is basically Hasbro's pre-order system. Currently, it's only available in the United States, but... Keep an eye out. It could be coming to the UK very soon. On uh, This is aperitifs before the main course. I bring you news from the website that can only be described as online. And that is Reddit. Reddit user Yamaha234 posted a picture and a story of their in-laws ripping up their carpet only to find a large Monopoly board painted on the floor taking up much of the available floor space. Now, Reddit user Narith, in response to this, said they showed this to their wife and she reminded me that there's a whole neighbourhood near us built in the mid-50s that has game boards painted or tiled onto their basement floors. Seems to have been a selling point or something. If this is true, without, you know, invasion of privacy, I want to see more of these tiled board game floors, if only to see a cultural time capsule of making big Monopoly. And if you were that that uh, family that ripped up the carpet and found a big Monopoly board, I mean, you'd play it, wouldn't you? What would you use as what would you use as pieces? Would you use yourselves? 
I mean, a bit annoying if you have to go to the toilet and forth. I mean, go. Cluedo's going to go real wrong there. <laughs> super, super wrong. That's... But I think, <laughs> yeah. That, I, I don't know how to... Risk. Risk could get tense very quickly, though. I mean, you need a lot of little things, yeah. But if you had one big board game painted on your floor, Jamie, what would it be? Oh, I've got no idea. I've got no... I've got no you idea. You know, mind me, mind me Lords of Vegas with big dice. <sighs> Ian, always you and the Lords of Vegas. That's because it's brilliant and you're wrong. Ah, uh, it's it's okay. I don't know. I'm looking at my I'm looking at my shelves. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Dune? No. Well, that's a nice piece of art. Yeah. I mean, you I'll... could you have Dune, but I think you need a sort of sandy floor. You need to like get some sand in your house. Really, yeah. I have to purge all moisture, and this is being Scotland. That's going to be very difficult. Uh, really is yeah let's let's move away from purging uh anyway thank you very much for listening if you like what you've listened to then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on itunes you can also follow us on twitter instagram and facebook just search for the giant brain our website is giantbrain.co.uk you can email anything you like into the show news bits uh comments or anything like that on anything we've covered at giantbrainuk at gmail.com and at the start of the year, we also started up a Discord, which you'll find a link to in the show notes. Do come along and share in the fun of Discord. We have regular game nights, lots of chats, and it's been a really nice experience. We've got a great little community on there. So we hope to see you along. For now, goodbye. See you later.